this is Kevin Dobbs, Associate Editor with Natural Gas Intelligence. Welcome to the Hub and Flow podcast. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is an independent news and price reporting agency focused on the natural gas and LNG in the Americas, primarily the United States, Canada, and Mexico. I am joined today by Patrick Rao, NGI's Director of Strategy and Research. We are going to discuss the results of NGI's third quarter top North American natural gas marketer rankings. Overall, the leading natural gas marketers in North America collectively posted flat sales volumes when compared with the year earlier quarter. This snapped a streak of five consecutive quarters of year-over-year declines. However, several of the largest gas marketers reported modest declines for the quarter as flat consumption was more than offset by lower production amid the continued impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Long-standing number one BP reported a 4% decrease from 3Q 2019, for example, while number two, Mercury Energy reported a 3% decline, reflecting in part long-running trends and in part impacts of the pandemic. There's a lot to cover here. So with that, welcome, Pat. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that too. I mentioned the ongoing trends that have put downward pressure on volumes for some time. Could you discuss those as a way to lay a foundation for our listeners? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think what's really have driven volumes primarily in the United States over the last decade, decade and a half is production. But you know, going forward, we're just not going to see nearly as much of that as we previously had, particularly as publicly uh, traded producers are sticking to more of a financial discipline and growth is no longer their goal primarily. It's an outcome of their being uh, you know, just keeping their production within the, their free cash flows. And mm-hmm. I saw that one of the pundits out there is predicting that U.S. natural gas production growth is going to be when you when you sort of back solve for it is going to be about 1.5, 1.6% a year through the end of the decade. And that's a far cry from you know the more than 4% we've saw really since the shale revolution began 15 years ago. So production is what has always tended to drive things. Uh, it won't drive the bus nearly as much maybe going forward, but it certainly came into play here in the third quarter of 2020. Uh, according to the EIA data, that uh, U.S. dry gas production was about 90 BCF a day in the third quarter of this year. That's down from 94 or so BCF a day from the third quarter of 2019, so about a 4.5% difference there. Strangely, uh, consumption, that was more flattish. I mean, really not too big of a change there quarter over quarter. So uh, what we're really seeing right mm-hmm. now, at least in the short run, is production is having uh, more of an impact on volumes, although we expect that, you know, Productions influence on the marketer rankings to maybe decline a little bit in the uh, coming quarters. I also mentioned the pandemic that's been woven into pretty much every aspect of energy and and the economy broadly. But as it relates to production and, and the outlook for for volumes, could you just talk a little bit about the impact there and what might change if uh, vaccines become widely available and, and we see an end to it next year? Yeah, sure. I mean. Clearly, COVID has had an impact on volumes in the United States, but it's been more so on the production side, I think, than on the demand side. And the data certainly mm-hmm. bear that out. And many of the uh, publicly traded midstream companies even said as much that they just didn't see that great of a decrease in the flows across their system here in the second, third quarter of this year when the pandemic issues were you know, at their highest. Although, you know, we're still certainly we're not out of the woods on all of that yet. On the production, you just saw when you know, we. Everybody knows that we had that period where crude prices were negative, and you know that really helped to 
send uh, the rig count spiraling lower in the United States. I think it was down something like 70% peak to trough that's right, yep. here. And that's had an impact on associated gas production in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that certainly has been a, a big impact from the COVID side. You know, 2021 is actually setting up perhaps to be a little bit of a better year, uh, year over year, comparatively when it comes to our market rankings for a number of things. One is that, you know, we should see the, uh, obviously we have the vaccine in place now and it's starting to become a little bit more widely disseminated. We still got, you know, maybe a few months until that happens. But uh, the second half of 2021 should be much less impacted by COVID than certainly the second half of this year was. So you're going to see a positive comp fine from that. You've also got LNG export facilities, and you know you're going to have a full year of those running next year. Whereas you know a number of those came online here in 2020, particularly at Cameron and Freeport and Elba Island. Corpus Christi Train Three is expected to enter service early next year, so you will see a full year of that export capacity online next year versus this. So that will help. Mm-hmm. But once you get to 2022, and maybe a few years after that. There's not a whole lot, at least on our horizon, that we see that might uh, propel market rankings going forward. I mean, you're just not going to have that year-over-year COVID impact. You're not going to have you know, the year-over-year impact of running those LG liquefaction facilities at full bore. And you're not going to see those LNG facilities come back on, or, or the next wave of them come on really until about the 2023-2024 timeframe when you've got the Venture Globals facility come online first and then the Golden mm-hmm. Pass a little after that. Yeah, so uh, probably it's going to be some muted growth going forward, but 2021 at least is setting up to be a little bit higher year over year. So next year, looking good relative to 2020, largely because of the downward pressure that the pandemic had on 2020 numbers. Yeah. But if you were to compare 2022 or or our expectations for 2022 to pre-COVID numbers, that's when we start to see things maybe flattening out or, or even some downward pressure. Yeah, I think so. You know, as long as producers hold true to their new mantra of limiting production growth or you know, having growth again be an output of their budgets instead of the main goal, then yeah, the U.S. economy or the, the U.S. natural gas industry is going to be so much more of a demand pull market going forward rather than that supply push. And it's really that supply push that have propelled. That has propelled the market over the last 15 years. So we definitely expect that to slow down a little bit starting in the 2022 timeframe until maybe we see uh, that next uh, round of uh, LNG trains come back online. So let's talk just a little bit about that, the, the future of LNG. I mean, it, it, if you're taking a look out for the, the, the entirety of the next decade, it, in total, it would, it would seem to look promising on the LNG front, I would think. What are your thoughts there and how, and how that plays out over you know, a 10-year period? Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, again, one of the uh, consultant shops out there, I won't name which one, but um, they basically came out with a forecast that said that roughly two-thirds of the demand growth in the United States through 2030 is going to be from LNG. That is the very definition of the majority. So LNG really is going to be what drives demand and drives our industry over the next decade. You know, once you get in the 2030s, Things might start to slow down a little bit from that, but certainly for the next decade or so, you've got that. You know, renewables are certainly going to work in the other way. Mm-hmm. Renewables will likely cause gas-fired demand to decline. In fact, the same consulting firm is predicting just that, and I've seen a number of consulting firms out there all saying that uh, you know gas-fired demand is going to be less in 2030 
than it is today. So you're going to have that sort of on the other side of things. But certainly LNG and renewables, I think, are going to be the, the two main drivers behind U.S. natural gas volumes for the next decade, just in different directions. So just stepping back and, and looking at the, the the very near term this winter, off to a bit of a slow start in terms of weather-driven demand, just given the, the mild temperatures in parts of the Midwest where you normally have some some pretty severe winter conditions by now. But just your thoughts on demand and where we'll see the potential for greater increases, whether that's residential or on the industrial side, just, just your thoughts on the near term for, for weather-driven gas demand? Yeah, I mean, predicting weather, of course, is always a little bit difficult, but uh, I think this in particular really does show the power of what cold weather or the lack of it does on gas prices, because we entered... Mm-hmm. This winter, with production being off from what it was last year, you know, as we talked about, just because of the pandemic and so forth, so that's obviously caused uh, you know the near part of the curve to rise going into winter. But it just uh, the temperatures just haven't materialized yet, and we've seen what the futures prices and so forth have done as a result. They've they've come down. The peak, mm-hmm. typically in any year, the peak demand day or for, for gas in the United States is roughly January the fifteenth, give or take. You just start mm-hmm. to get. On okay. the, the lower part of that load profile once you get to the second half of January. So it sets us up. If we don't have an early start to winter, it's really hard to make up for that. And it does look like that that's the way things are, are falling in line here. I still hear many people sort of hold out hope for, oh, we could have another polar vortex like we had, I think, in the 2013, 2014 time period, if memory serves. That was six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've also read that, you know, five of the warmest. Winters in the United States history were the last five we had. And here we are starting off with another kind of warm start to winter. So, look, if that trend continues on, we're not setting ourselves up very well for having that cold winter. And, uh, you know, that's certainly not going to help prices. And the Widowmaker spread, the the March-April spread, that turned negative. So uh, that right there is an indication that the trading community doesn't expect for really cold winter weather to materialize this time around. Right, right. Well, great. Excellent discussion, Pat. I appreciate the time. And with that, I want to conclude by noting that NGI presents this podcast to help our subscribers make more informed business decisions about markets and the developments and news that drive them. To read our full report and view the latest marketer rankings, please visit and subscribe to NGI at naturalgasintelligence.com. Thank you.